It's the Daily Talk Show episode 317. Wow. What's cracking, Simon Taylor? Man, I'm excited about 317. Mm. I, I feel bad that I haven't been here earlier. No. Late to the game. I'm actually glad that you haven't been here earlier because we've been polishing ourselves. Oh, and, great. You know, so now you get a better experience. Now you're ready for me. Well, I Tommy's favourite um, phrase is not to blow your load early. And so <laughs> this would be a good example of that. Thank maybe. you for not blowing your load on me too soon. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate so, uh, that. That's okay. Simon, Josh has said that we, we need to get you on many times. And then... Right. You were overseas for a while in LA? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm on the road a lot, so I just dip in and out of Melbourne. So mm-hmm. last, we got to hang for like an hour last yeah. time. So And yeah, I'm bad with like, admin as well. So right. it's a little, when I'm in charge of organising guests, it yeah. can sometimes fall well, flat. The Google Calendar does all right. Yeah, as it soon worked as that out. Happens, I got like eight notifications today. It's like, don't forget, you're on the oh, really? talk show. Oh, right. I'm like, Google, I got it. And then I get an email. Are you a calendar guy? Do you do... Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think I've ever missed a flight or like anything like that. I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty punctual to things. What stars on I? Um, what, what, like Western or Chinese? Uh, I didn't know those two <laughs> times. <laughs> uh, Aquarius. Okay. No, I'm just trying to do my own data research here on um, He's Virgos. Yeah. It's the only one I know because I'm a Virgo, but right. I'm like, Virgos <laughs> tend to be on time. Josh is a Virgo. Mm, I'm a Virgo. Right. and we So specific. one in one in 12 people are, yeah. uh, well, I'm assuming the distribution <laughs> is even, but yeah, uh, yeah one, in 12, one in 12 people are punctual Yeah, based on. <laughs> I was actually having a chat with someone about that, about uh, a friend of mine is really into star signs. Mm. And she said, well, do, don't you? believe them about when you were born and the moon and planets and something like that. I'm like, but why when you're born though? Like what, what's the dip? Like what happens to you as a human when you come out of the mm-hmm. womb? Like, why is that the moment? Yeah. Like you're in there for a bit anyway. So why yeah. isn't that conception? Maybe because it's like the first breath of real air. So oxygen. As Ma- soon as oxy- oxygen hits your lungs, the planets start uh, affecting you. When does con- consciousness kick in? Is about it five like, months. Yeah, okay. Five is it months that's after maybe that's yeah, the, about that. So maybe we're just unconscious before, like we're just sort of not. Yeah, not, not conscious in the way that. Yeah, we are now. So yeah, kids. It's usually maybe Tommy's months. still working on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, still, pretty, still. I'm pretty unconscious, guys. Uh, you know. Yeah, no. it's just an interesting question. It's just uh, why why birth? Um, mm. It's just yeah. I mean, it's just a couple of layers of skin, right? Yeah, affecting you. No, so I, why didn't the planets affect you sooner? The whole moon thing. I I always feel like whenever I'm uh, feeling anxious, mm. I'll look outside and it's always a full moon. Mm. <laughs> but I think that that's just uh, you're joining the dots at that point. I mean, I, I say the star sign thing, but I've always found the people who are I'm one super fascinated about people who are fascinated about star signs yeah. and know a lot. Like I'm always <laughs> impressed. Two, I've always found that it's li- not a screw loose, but like. You know, focusing your energy there of like it's interesting fun. Place. Like Were it's you testing fun Simon? to talk about that stuff? Yeah, de- that's every time I say it, you into star signs. It's a little bit of what a test to see. Yeah, mm. because they think I'm a star sign guy, <laughs> which I'm totally not, and then I just like to gauge the reaction because if I'd be super interested if you knew a lot about star signs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I like when people get excited about it and like watch a star sign, like dating. I think that's mm-hmm. a big one. <laughs> yeah. Our star sign. So really, it's compatibility based on where the planets were when you were born. Like I, f- I find that. But I studied psychology, so I guess I kind of, you know, uh, like I, I know about personality types and I, I, and all the theories and the science and the empirical research behind personalities and things like that. And that's so messy. Yeah. So when someone comes along and is like, no, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know because I read the Woman's Day, <laughs> Star Signs Today, so I know based on the horoscopes exactly what's going on with you. It's, a, it's, it's when you say your star sign, they go, ah, oh, that explains yeah, it. Yeah, like, yeah, shut yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's also like middle child, like oh, you, do you have brothers, sisters? Like yeah, I'm middle child. They're like oh, well, that yeah. explains everything. I'm like no. Well, can you explain Josh walking out and seeing the moon, him thinking it's the moon? Is there something yeah, it's, from a psychological point of view? Yeah, yeah. So that's called confirmation bias. Mm. So that's where if you were to do it empirically, you would every time you feel weird or whatever, yeah, yeah. you'd you know take a note in your diary. Hey, I feel weird, and then you'd write if it's a full moon or not. And I've got a lunar calendar which is probably perfect for yeah. it. It glows in the dark. I want to put it up in the bedroom. Well, but Bree won't let me. Well, so the, the confirmation's coming from his 
bloody calendar that's keeping him up at night because yeah. it's <laughs> illuminating <laughs> yeah, in his room. Exactly. He looks like, <laughs> it's just a picture of a full moon. It's not a real you know, It's like every single like day mm. has a different moon. It's a very impractical uh, yeah. calendar because it's actually the way that it's designed, you can't write on it. Mm. So it's purely for... Yeah, for, for visual. Yeah, I think it's it's just when you feel weird and you look at the moon, you go, "Ha, see, I was right." Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then when it's not there, you forget about it. Mm-hmm. So if you actually to 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 write it out and and record it, the the one that people say about the moon is interesting for me because, like, I mean, the reason the tides are affected by the moon is because uh, moon and the Earth re- revolve around a an axis point. Mm-hmm. And so it's just based on the. I believe it's of Tommy. That. I believe you're the yeah. You're the, the axis. You're the center of the <laughs> Earth and Moon. <laughs> but but when people go, oh, doesn't that affect us? I'm like, but it surely depends what direction you're facing as well. Like, because if it's pulling the fluid in your body this mm. way, but then yeah. you turn around and it's that way. So that one always was funny to me. It's like, but the moon and the tide. I'm like, yeah, yeah but what direction are you facing? Because you can move all the time. <laughs> Studying psychology. Does that mean you're a psychologist? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't get uh, the um, masters. So you go mm-hmm. honors and the masters. But I did undergraduate and then became a full time comic. So you yeah. finished your degree. Uh, I finished my undergraduate, but I didn't do the no. I didn't do the masters. Mm. So um, yeah, I, I did. <laughs> I, I did can more tell by Tommy's face. He's like, don't know what that means. I did, well, but don't you just get a degree or not a degree? I mean, no, these are so two guys first, that don't have first, any degree. <laughs> first three years yep. is undergraduate. Right, and that doesn't qualify as a psychologist. Is that a but bachelor? That you to get, yeah, bachelor. Yeah, and then then you do honors year, and then you do two years of masters. Then yep. you're qualified. Shit, that's a, that's a fair fair slice of time, isn't it? But yeah, wouldn't you rather go to a psychologist who studied it for Definitely. six years as opposed to a dude who's no. like, I did two subjects at Mate, uni. I found a guy that's done a coaching course on Instagram, and he's yep. great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> whatever works. <laughs> Well, what star sign is he though? Because maybe it's, <laughs> yeah. maybe it's a match. <laughs> yeah, true. Did you um, do you know much about? There's Freud. Yep. And what's the, the Jung? Yeah. Is is that the one? There's a book that's like the um, like not giving a. It's not the subtle art of not giving ah. fuck, but it's the um, not caring what people think. Okay. But anyway, there's it's there's mm-hmm. another psychology. I think it is Jung. What's what's mm. that called? Do you know what that psychology? Jungian psychology. Jungian. Yeah, it's um Jordan Peterson's <laughs> a guy that sort of model. I think is modelled off him. So is that what happens? So you, as a psychologist, you right. t- you model your teachings or your. No, I, guess, I think it's just re- like no. I think science in general is sort of uh, progressive based on previous research. Mm. So it's very rare that you just go. Here's an idea. I'm going to study it. It's usually all right. Well, here's an idea. What's the previous literature on it? So if it's therapy, then you go. Well, what do we know about therapy already? What has been studied? What's been proven? What's been disproven? So on and so forth. So yeah. that's the same in all uh, science. I think it's you go to the research, the body mm-hmm. of research, to see what's next. What's the next question to ask? Because if you say, oh, you know, how do you how do you uh, deal with depression? How do you help someone deal with depression? You can just guess and go, all right, I'm going to try this, see if it works. Mm. Or you can actually look at the research. And, and find go, out their star sign. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> find out their star sign. Adlerian, Adlerian psychology Adlerian. was the You just one. look at the moon and you go, nah, it's, it's not you, don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah. The Courage to be Disliked is oh, a yeah. book and oh, they talk okay. about Adlerian psychology, which is some other form of it. Okay, but when you're looking for a psychologist, what do you? We've asked many people on the show. We asked mm. Ash Williams about psychologists whether he'd been to one. Mm. What's your? Uh, what do you look for? So if you're going to a mechanic or whatever, you look at the reviews. Right. What's, your, what's the process in looking for a psychologist? Do you think? Well, yeah, I've actually been speaking to my friends about this a mm-hmm. bit because a bunch of my friends are psychologists. They completed the the, the studies, um, and I, I actually think it's. Referral is a better way. You actually ask friends about mm-hmm. psychologists and who they think would be good for you because they know you. Yeah. So you ask your parents and your friends and people who actually know you. Maybe even your doctor, if your doctor has a, a sense of you and who you would suit. Because mm-hmm. I think if you don't connect with your psychologist or don't respect them or, or don't have any kind of um, faith or confidence in them, then mm-hmm. that's a problem to begin with. So mm-hmm. I've had psychologists where I'm like, all right, you don't know what you, you don't know what you're doing. Really? Yeah, or they just don't speak my language. So there. you've been yeah. you've been to them as a yeah client. a bunch yeah I've been to a few. There's one in Sydney, um, which is unfortunate that I don't live there. But where I was in Sydney, I was going through some tough stuff, and mm-hmm. um, and my cousin recommended said, "Oh, you'd really like this psychologist." And 
she's just so she's so good for yeah. me for me she just you know speaks my language we uh, we're on the level she knows uh, she seems to just know my personality really type really well mm. and she was able to give me really practical strategies to dealing with the things I had and then I had one in um, in Melbourne who was just obsessed with psychoanalysis it was like so tell us about your relationship with your mother I'm like yeah. it's yeah. fine just w- <laughs> fix this <laughs> you know so yeah I think uh, asking people about you know psychologists they know I think a, a, a referral's better than a google search mm. Because you don't know if you connect, and it's tricky. Because you know you pay what hundred and whatever dollars yeah. to go see a psychologist for the first time, and it may suck. Yeah. But also sometimes you need to like stick with them and trust them. So if yeah, it's it's tricky. But uh, someone who suits you. Mm. I, the the price thing's funny because I use it as a as a way of comparing it to other things. So I'm right. like, okay, hundred fifty dollars. What about if I got an Audible subscription? Yes, for a similar amount, but just <laughs> got self-help. Dale Carnegie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're you still see? then relying on your own brain to work it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. With the yeah. information it's given. Yeah, that's I guess hard. the if you get the right book, how, right? But how can you trust your brain to pick the right book when yeah. your brain's not well? How can I trust the psychologist? <laughs> you, know you, trust? you know what you do? Go outside, look at the moon. Yeah, <laughs> it'll tell you. That. <laughs> Melbourne International Comedy Festival's on now. Yes. How many years have you done it? This is nine. This is year number nine. Fuck. Jeez. Yes. Nine years. Yeah, nine years. What was the first room like versus the room you're in at the moment? Um, first room was like a 30-seater mm-hmm. um, and it was in South Melbourne at the Butterfly Club when it was there. And that was, I don't know, I really, like I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, it That's was, downstairs, yeah, is it? So there's a downstairs mm. No, well, it's all, it's, that venue's not there anymore, but it was on ground They're in the floor. city now, right? Now they're in the city. They're okay. upstairs. Okay. So you're close. They have the a other piano. <laughs> they have a piano and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's where I was. Uh, and I still love the Butterfly Club, but now I'm in Trades Hall. And it's a, you know, big old, uh, what's the word? Union building. Mm-hmm. It's a union. I think it's like the trade union. And so that's that's good. That's a good hub. There's a lot of like improv there and sketch and things like that. That's usually the hub for those sort of acts. So I've been there maybe four years or five years. Actually, that's not true. Even longer. I've done shows there beforehand. So I, um, yeah, I think my audience knows me there. So it's a how, good spot. How many people go and see a show? And how do they find you? Are you like a the headline act, or is there a group of dudes? Well, People up on stage. So in fe- in festival time, it's kind of almost like a free for all. There's like five hundred acts. I want to say five hundred different acts at the festival, something like that. It, it's almost like the worst time to decide to do a comedy show. Like all the competition in one go, right? But it's when all the energy towards comedy is happening, <laughs> yeah, sure. right? So yeah. you get sort of the buzz of people going, "Oh, I got to go see something yeah. during the comedy festival." It's like but us with the yeah. podcast; everyone's doing it, but everyone's talking about it too. Yes, right. So Mr. we 90, get sloppy. Mister ninety seven, check the moon at the moment. There could be something about comedy festival, like the period of time it runs. I think there was just the, the full moon, moon actually. Oh, okay. One question on the full moon. <laughs> did you feel weird the other day? Is that I, how did, you know? I did feel a bit weird. My <laughs> left leg feels sore. But the, um, <laughs> but the full moon thing, uh-huh. I got my calendar. I haven't even looked into this is how fucking <laughs> stupid I am. Is the moon the same in the US as it is in Australia in regards to when it's a full moon here? Is it a full moon? Are you moon? serious? It's a different position in the world. Well, it's so if I bought my calendar, night. if I bought my – no, as in – the day that it's a full moon, will it be that? Because mm. I bought my calendar from Amazon.com. Right. Have I fucked it? I don't know. No, may, no, maybe it is, but that's a physicist question. Yeah. A physics question. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think that's like 97. No, I, get, you know, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. But 97's looking up. He got 97 into score. Oh, really? That's so why that's we call him Mr. 97. 97. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's really good. <laughs> it's better than me. But the, yeah, the moon thing is. But so the comedy festival. So does that? So it means you've got five hundred acts. Uh-huh. You've got one of those passes where you can go see a bunch of see, a, shows, see yeah. a bunch of them. Is that uh, what you get for being a part of the as like an? Yeah, act but in I, the I don't have I don't have time to go see other shows because I do like an, uh, a spot at other mm-hmm. nights. So there'll be like the best of the early show, which is six acts in an hour, and I'll turn up. I'll do seven minutes, and then I'll run off to another gig. Uh, and I, I did like squeaky clean comedy on on Friday and. 
then I went and did my show for an hour and then I did like a late night pub crawl and then there's the late, late show. So Shit. you can do four or five gigs in a night and so I don't really have time to go see other acts full show but yeah. I'll see other acts doing their spots. From start to finish of the festival, how many shows are you doing? 22. Jeez. Yeah. that's uh, I do 30 in Adelaide but it's festival time. This is so sort of to answer your question, if just say there's like um, – for me, it's like harvest time for mm. me in, in, to, to draw an analogy to farming. But we the know a lot about farming. The, yeah, so right. really good. And yeah, there's exactly. a lot to do with the moon. <laughs> farming. With farming. <laughs> there actually is. Is, is that, that true? Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure that I they, think a lot of farmers use the moon as a reference point. <laughs> <laughs> Red Sky at Night, Shepherd's Delight. Yeah. That's um, a farming reference. Oh, there you go. Perfect. The olden day. So I, uh, <laughs> the second half of the year basically is me planting seeds, like creating new material. Yeah. And then the festivals, I do Perth in January and I do a week in Perth. I do five weeks in Adelaide, a week in Brisbane, four weeks in Melbourne, uh, a week in Sydney. And then that's it. That's where, like, I, you know, make all, a lot of my money. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the year I'm creating new projects to then, you know, sell off at the, 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 the next part of the year. So, so last year was a big year. It was a run of all the festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, would have performed to, I don't know, maybe 5,000 people all up, like over the course of the festivals, and then uh, then worked on a TV pilot, then uh, worked on a kid's book and a, uh, and a novel and a uh, another I did, a, I did two TV pilots last year. So it's just like putting all my energy into creating things yeah. and then this is the time to sort of like you know, make, some, make some hay while yeah, the sun shines. Make, make some bang. Mm. Fuck, are you burnt out? Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, January was a tough month because yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, I got to get a new show ready." Yeah. Um, so yeah, last year I actually burnt out. Like I, financially, it was my best year, mm. but and 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 I feel like I've kind of planted seeds, so to speak, for other projects to you know uh, come about. So you know, these two pilots could both turn into series, which mm. would be more money and more exposure and bigger profile and hopefully more tickets. But at the <laughs> at the moment, like, or well, at the start of the year, I'm better now, but at the start of the year I was like, oh, my God, I'm creatively spent. Yeah. So it was a real mental struggle to get back to basics and, and get, get through it, the season. Dudes like Husey, I, I feel like they burn the candle at both ends and he yeah. just works it into his show. I'm tired. Yeah. I'm working a lot, right? It's just like, don't you reckon? Yeah. yeah, but he's 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 incredible though. Like he's because he, I spend a bit of time with him at gigs and especially in Adelaide because he's away from his family, so mm. he you know gets time to hang out. Yeah, he like radio and TV yeah. and live shows and has three kids and he's I think he's just he's got that personality where he can or, or where he can just go go go. Yeah, and. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I can – I don't know if I could do it the way he does. I think I need way more sleep and <laughs> more, way more yeah. mental space. So I think he has a mental fortitude that he's built up. Well, you, you sort of uh, – the boundaries, or your limitations, I guess. It's mm. like I think with when we started this podcast five days a week, mm. the start feels like a real stretch. Mm. We have bu- – uh, the capacity is the word. So we're stretching our capacity as we go. Because right. I even feel like, fuck, we're you know, doing a lot. And then you speak to someone, they're like, oh, you're doing a lot. So it's like everything's in perspective, right? Sure. You look at Husey, he's an animal. Yeah. Well, I think you probably become detached as well. Yeah. Like I think to be able to do that amount of mm. work, you have to be, be okay with shit not working out mm. or things like that. Yeah, and I think also you get to a stage where I think Husey's streamlined the process. So he, mm-hmm. I don't think he has to go to radio meetings because you've yeah. worked in radio, uh-huh. you know there's so many production, production meetings. meetings yeah. I think he doesn't have to do them anymore. Mm-hmm. I think he can turn up five minutes beforehand, do what he needs to do, leave straight away, go to the next project. Yeah. So Streamlining. I, actually, i got a, <laughs> got a story. We, we did Husey and I did a gig in Sydney at Taronga Zoo and I flew up from Adelaide, he flew up from Melbourne to go do it. And is that I, a charity thing? I feel like the only way that you have, like uh, who's organizing the Taronga Zoo? Is no, it was, a, it was a twilight at Taronga. Okay. Yeah. They do and concerts so they, and shit. Yeah, they do uh, concerts. Yeah. It was uh-huh. really awesome. It was, they, they had bands there. Do you the see the animals? I got to see some giraffes. It was pretty like, good. Yeah, it's because they were peeking on the show. You're getting a free ticket. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so I, uh, I messaged Husey. I'm like, oh, when are you going in? We could drive. Mm-hmm. When are you getting there? And I think he said his plane landed at... 3.30 p.m. I'm like, oh, you're cutting it fine. 
And he's like, <laughs> no, it's, you know, it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And then we, we get there. The show starts, I think, at 6.30. And Husey gets there at 6. And then he's <laughs> complaining he got there too early. He's like, oh, I've got to wait around. <laughs> Oh, I should have got a later flight. I'm like, really? Like he, like even that half an hour was annoying yeah. to him of doing nothing. Yeah, and I think that was reflective of his personality of like, mm. can we just do like, can we minimize time wasted? Yeah. So that yeah. was that was an interesting probably insight into how he gets things done is that he doesn't want to waste any time. Yeah, definitely. You said you're the on time guy. Mm. What's the process though? Like, because I could imagine myself getting to. Uh, you know, where I'm doing my stand-up show, not that I'll ever do one, but getting there an hour and a half early, just, you know, getting on my phone, maybe having a little bit of food, just feeling comfortable. Yeah, that's that's probably part of it. But when you've got gig, other gigs on and you want to promote the show, so... Is it your bullshit that you tell yourself or like for you personally? Well, if you're doing four shows in a night, you You probably can't do an hour and a half. You can't have Nando's. Yeah, yeah, running from gig to gig. (laughs) I just want a nice... Hour to get my yeah. Nando's in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. No, but what about early days of you know your career? You you know nine years ago, or say eight years ago. Right. You're a year into. Do you doing think you're the, softer? The do you reckon you're softer at the beginning, and now you're able to do more, or do you think that you become more exhausted? Um, I don't know. I think I've I've kept the energy up. Mm-hmm. I, I I've always wanted to do, do as much as possible. So as much stage time as possible. So mm-hmm. I'd rather do a quick gig beforehand than just get there an hour early and wait. So, yeah, I mean, punctuality is just about not missing a thing. But, I like, headspace-wise, I, I think that's, yeah, I think it's just just keep doing gigs, doing yeah. heaps of gigs. So, yeah, some sometimes I feel exhausted by it, but I'm also energised by the, you know, the roll-on of, like, great, got another gig, got to think quick, yeah. you know. And, and I like that. When you're organising your own gigs, do you have rules around how you enter the room? So Tommy and I were doing a live podcast uh, the other day. <laughs> do you guys day. just overthink everything? Well, maybe. I thought you did overthink this one. Yeah. Well, right. I was like... Because I was still just worried about everyone was like right. Everyone was coming in yeah. and we were just there. I just remember school productions. It's like no one can see you before the show. And so I was right. panicked about that. But then we didn't have music, so yeah. I was playing. Was, was Venus in retrograde at the time? <laughs> How was <laughs> I don't know. I think the moon could have been full. We ate a shitload of Nando's before, no yeah, joke, right. and wow. we were all pretty slumped. And so we um, – but I had my – which I found out later <laughs> only this weekend that my iPhone speakers have been playing up. So – but I was using my iPhone as a speaker, so I was getting a very tinny sound and I played the Queen album. Mm-hmm. And just had that playing on full blast, just so there was some sort of noise. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to create a bit of an ambiance. Yeah. But it felt like I couldn't. What I would have liked to happen is like, hey, everyone, like, all right, the guys are going to come out in a couple of minutes, and when they do, we're going to start a big clap. All right, okay, let's give it a go. In three, two, one, let's try the clap. Oh, you can do better than that. Let's give it another go. I see you at the front with the polo shirt, a bit of that gear. Right. When you're doing your own show and you're running the whole thing, it feels like you don't have the autonomy mm. to create that sort of level of energy. What's your rituals when you're doing your own event? Do you hide out back? No. Well, the short answer is when you do this so much, you, mm. you don't really have time for rituals. It's yeah. like a get on with it thing yeah. because if you have a gig at – I'll, t- I'll take you. I mean, you've seen me. Yeah. You've seen me. You, you've you've seen me I go from gig to gig. Yeah. And even that, it's I'm finding the time, no matter what I was doing, I think I was riding my bike and mm-hmm. I was thinking about the, yeah. the gigs. Or if I'm on the tram on the way to a gig, I'm, I'll be doing it there. Like I'll be yeah. going through that mental process there. So I, I don't think you need to actively set time aside for the ritual and the process and mm-hmm. the headspace. You just find it where you need to yeah. to get the gig done. And if you don't, then, it, you know, whatever. The gig will be whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So um, it might be rushed or it might be ill thought out, but you learn from that and you can hopefully think back on it later. So ritual-wise, I don't really have any. Mm-hmm. It's just whatever I need to do to get ready for the gig in the time I have it, mm-hmm. the place I have it, because I'm in a different venue you know, a lot of the time yeah. I'm jumping from venue to venue and flying from city to city. So there's no real space for <laughs> ritual ritual, yeah. Yeah, or preparation like comics, that. Comics versus comedians, mm. is there a difference? No, it's just the, just the nickname. Okay. And do, when you're uh, backstage, are there certain oh. 
comics. Do you like saying comics or comedians? I feel more American interchang- when I say they're comics. interchangeable. I think. Yeah. What should I say? Do you think? If I was to pick one. Um, I think you should just follow your heart. I'm yeah. going to say comics. Yeah. Mate, yeah, he's yeah. going to make another moon reference, but I'm done with it. I think comics is probably more of an industry term, mm. so that'll make oh, you yeah. feel good about yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you <laughs> definitely, yeah. So backstage, uh-huh. are there are certain comics that give off a bad aura that actually are unsettling when you're when you're there before you go on, and how do you control that? Yeah, not really. I mean, I, I know what you're getting at is like, what are the, um. Trigger points within a sure the friction. Yeah, yeah. What are the challenges in mm-hmm. the environment of the workspace? But I think the interesting thing is that the variables are changing all the time. Yeah, like you're at, at a, a venue, and you've got five minutes before you're going up, and whatever. Maybe you're standing chatting mm-hmm. to comics. Maybe everyone's on their phone. Maybe you're having a drink. Mm-hmm. Like it's the variables are different all the time. So there's no real consistency into what happens before a gig or, or doesn't. Sometimes there are comics and people that you don't you know like around, but that's like normal life yeah. and everything. It, so it, the only thing that is consistent um, is you and the audience. Like mm-hmm. how do you actually, um, you know, connect with the audience? And so that's the only thing you really have to be concerned about. All the other stuff about what's the venue like and who's backstage and stuff like that changes all the time. Yeah. So you just adapt to that and, and get on stage. So the, the, the thing you, you do, you have to think a lot about, but then you can't overthink everything else around it. It's like I yeah. see... Yeah, focus is jokes. Yeah. So don't worry about like, oh, man, what if this person's here before the gig or, <laughs> or where do I stand before the gig and will I be able to have... This is all you know, my thoughts. Yeah, Nan- no. Nando's before the... Th- yeah, all that stuff doesn't matter. How, you do just you count how many drinks you... Do you have a policy of <laughs> I'll only have a max of three drinks before a show? Well, I don't drink alcohol, so that yeah. answers That's, that question there, for me. Are there... Zero alcohol. Yeah, I don't drink, yeah. Are there any comics that are just full-blown alcoholics? Uh... Yeah, but they don't last very long. So mm. maybe in the open they mic die. scene. Yeah, they yeah. die. But they I mean there's I had an interesting moment the other month in in it's called Crab Lab. It's a really good night here in Melbourne. It's a Wednesday night. It's the cool room. A lot of cool comics go there, a lot of like young, cool <coughs> do they do food? crowd. Uh, no, I don't think they okay. do food. Yeah, they do. Crab Lab, I was hoping for some form. Yeah, of not quite. Yeah. <laughs> like um, sandwiches with some, uh, what's that called? Like a crab. Crab meat. Yeah, what's that called? What's the famous lobster. sort of. Yeah, like a lobster roll. Right. No lobster oh, rolls. yeah, 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 sure. Or cra- Yeah, uh, no, there's like crab rolls as well. Yeah. It doesn't sound as good. No, it doesn't sound as good. Anyway, <laughs> so, so Crab Lab. Crab Lab. Yeah, and uh, the MC gave me all the drink cards and said, I'll give it to the comics when they, they, mm-hmm. they turn up. I said, comics. Yeah. I'm in the biz. And I offered it to every comic who was on. There were like eight comics on and none of them took it. And that's actually quite a contrast to when I started, mm. you know, oh, free drink, free beer and things mm-hmm. like that. But uh, I think the comics get to a level of maturity where it's like this is a job and like I want to nail this and I want to be focused and I want to get have a good set because if I have a good set then I know I've got that material for my comedy festival show or for when I do a TV spot. Mm. So for us it's like it's it's business time. You're athletes so, in yeah, some Yeah, to some degree, but it was it was interesting knowing that here are free drinks and we went, no, nah, don't worry about mm. it because we we came up being so used to getting free drinks that it's not that appealing anymore. It's not as rewarding as having a solid you know, bit of material that we know is going to help the career and the business. Among the um, the comics league, is it uh, a mantra to you know outwork the other comics because that's how you, you you know you make it? Mm, no, I, I think in in business in general, like you hear that work smart, not hard thing, mm. and I think if uh, you read all those books about successful entrepreneurs, it's like you know they don't they don't grind so much like they they think big picture and they 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 hustle in different ways so i think it's not necessarily correlated in the comedian who does the most gigs is going to be most successful like there's so many different factors there are you appealing to the public do you have a demographic or an audience do tv producers find you um you know worth putting on whether that's because you fulfilled a diversity quota or because you've got profile, you're going to bring ratings or because you're just so unique and funny. Like there's various boxes they need mm. to tick 
and they should be ticking for, for, for TV. And if you don't tick any of those except I'm really, really funny or I've done heaps yeah. of gigs, mm-hmm. well, that doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So success in like the sense of profile and income isn't necessarily linked to how many gigs you do. It can help. It's probably early days tunnel vision of, you know, getting your flying hours is helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there are comics who don't. Capacity. Sure, there are comics who don't. They're just like they've just got this crazy personality and this great marketing image and brand, like super clear. And they'll get on the you know the TV shows and they're good enough, mm-hmm. you know. And then they sell tickets to their show and the show's fine. Like it's not bad, but it's fine. But then there are plenty of comedians who are like road hard, have done yeah. thousands and thousands of gigs. They're just they're not appealing. Like their image isn't. Interesting, or the brand's not interesting, and so if you saw them in a club, they'd destroy. But then mm. you you wouldn't think, oh, we should get that person on mm. TV because there's just sort of like a maybe a blandness to them or whatever. Do you so think these people know that? Like, uh, can you? Uh, I don't want you to say a name if you're not comfortable. But like, who's someone <laughs> on a world stage yep. that has that rep within the business? They've come in, mm-hmm. they haven't been. Or maybe two. So who's the person that's worked their fucking ass off? Right. So it hasn't made it as far as they should. Yeah, what's the contra- yeah, what's the contrasting business models of yeah. someone who's who is the I do five shows a year. Yeah. And then there's the person who does two hundred shows a year. Yeah. So but they're both successful. Yeah. So well there's plenty of examples of that, but I can uh uh I won't name names, but I'll I'll give you like uh let's say Names that rhyme. Comic yeah, yeah, yeah. No <laughs> names that are like um Let's just say comic A and comic B. So comic A is doing spots every single night, working on routines, refining routines, like joke-focused, almost like a bricklayer, like yeah. just this joke is good and this joke is good, this joke is good. And so it's like really can do three, 300 gigs a night. So mm-hmm. I know a bunch of them. There's a, you know, a dozen I, I could name who are like that, who are just gigs, and then they will get club gigs and pub gigs and cruise ship gigs and things like that. But then there are. Have other you ever co- done cruise ship, by the way? Uh, yeah, I don't. I hate them. Motion sick. Yeah, that and I don't like being isolated, and I don't drink, so there's mm-hmm. not a lot of joy for me on them. And how long did it go for? How long were you there? Six days. Uh-huh. There's no yeah, getting off that. Painful. Thing. <laughs> it was. It was okay. I had some cool comedian friends on it, so mm-hmm. that was okay. But yeah, just it's an experience. Just like being hit by cars. And yeah, I know, but it's just like, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah no, almost like oh, visiting a hospital is an experience. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so. So anyway, so that was. Yeah, there so, was so let's just say there's the, uh, the road, you know, the road comic who's like that and just really bulletproof, mm-hmm. great comedy set, but not necessarily anything um, marketable about them. And then you have another comic who maybe does, just does Comedy festival just mm-hmm. does festivals, doesn't do gigs outside of that, just kind of works on the com- uh, a show, which is, you know, will be okay. But what they're really good at doing is writing a press release <laughs> and they have a very clear demographic online and they put lots of videos up online and the videos have lots of buzzwords like um, – Oh, toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and uh, gender politics, or maybe they do a response to Jordan Peterson, or maybe they have like a, a you know a video um, that goes viral about you know whatever it is, workplace safety or something like that. That just has like a very clear demographic. Um, I can think of a, a comic who just had this really amazing like blokey. Uh, he just he got that tradey demographic down pat. All these videos <laughs> yeah. about me. Well, I'm a bloody bloke, and we were, you know did blokey stuff, and I was on the work site, and this happened, and all of a sudden this niche, this market just blew up. Like he blew up in that market, and so he was now selling out his comedy festival shows. This is comedian B will say, it's sell, you know, so his energy went into marketing. Mm. And his show, let's just say it's a 7 out of 10, a 6 or 7 out of 10. Fine. His audience, now that he has, you know, 10,000 people coming to see him, are going to be happy. They're getting a 7 out of 10. But you have Comedian A who's got a 9 out of 10 show but just has no online presence, not good at marketing. Radio stations aren't interested in talking with him. He's got no credits really, that sort of thing. If you went and saw that show, you'd be like, man, there's a 9 out of 10 show. Yeah. Why doesn't this person have yeah. more? Because they don't have any of that, you know, uh, smart. So the, the easiest way to put it, and this is kind of a little cheesy to say, but it's show business. If you don't do the business, you've just got to show. Yeah. Mm. 
I think yeah. there's also something in that seven out of ten show. Mm. If it's done to a niche, could be yeah. a nine out of ten show for them. For sure, them, right? yeah, the experiences, yeah. yeah, for sure. And so I think that's that's an interesting yeah, part of that. it. With the what's the difference between uh, performing in Australia versus the US? I feel like American audiences uh, celebrate you a bit more. Yeah, I think like they're more likely to just applaud at things and be on your side about things and mm-hmm. like, oh, you're doing it. Hey, yeah. man, this guy's yeah. doing it and yeah. you're an entertainer and you're, you're, you know, you're speaking your truth. And What's the best state for that in the US? Is there a certain state? that? Um, yeah, so. Because you've done all around the US. I How have. many states have you done in the I've, US? I've been 22 states. 22. Yeah. Doing stand-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. That's just a nice holiday. Mate, <laughs> I, I do 22 states and yeah. I'm not a stand-up. <laughs> Yeah, oh man, it was awesome. I just drove from city to city and that was that's an example of me on the drive, like being in my head, like mm-hmm. I'd be going from Albuquerque to um, uh, New Orleans or whatever and that drive was just where I got to formulate ideas yeah. or driving into Colorado and there's a storm ahead of oh. me and I'm like it's stimulating, like it's, you know, and, and I'd get into town and then go find an open mic and, and do that. So I don't know, I really liked... Denver is an incredible city. Mm-hmm. I think the response there was at the club there was pretty uh, pretty amazing. That was just like a really, really, really supportive American crowd like you'd see on Alan DeGeneres or something. Really? Just like, just de- yeah, yeah. I actually caught a bit of – I went home for lunch today and I had Alan DeGeneres on. That's mm-hmm. why you went. Yeah, and there was just such a – they'll fucking dance at anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I, like, oh, my God. And they said like, the you know, the um, – the, the Billy, that Billie new artist, artist, yes, she was on the show performing. Yeah, was and Justin Bieber on it? I uh, didn't see that bit, oh, but she just performed, bit. and then Ellen DeGeneres came out and said, um, "And by the way, everyone in the audience is getting her album." Oh, yeah. And people went absolutely nuts, <laughs> as if they didn't have Spotify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've already so got there it. is there's a disingenuous, like it feels a bit disingenuous, but I guess when yeah. you're on stage it's exactly what you want. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, I think the audiences are kind of a prop. Like I've spent a lot of time in Hollywood <laughs> yeah. and been at shows. Do you know Daniel Tosh? Tosh.0? Yeah. Oh, Tosh.0, yeah. Tosh.0 is um, it's kind of like an internet commentary show, I'd mm. say. Yeah. Like it's partic- it's primarily internet mm. stuff. Um and he's just there in front of it. And it's not a show. It's not like a comedy show that you go to when it's like, hey, this is for you guys. Yeah. He's just like, all right, I'm going to do this bit again because you guys didn't laugh enough. So can you just laugh a bit more at this? And we'll just do it. And he goes, ah, all right, I'll take a laugh from something else. Like he's just, yeah, yeah. you guys are a prop. Like you're here, you're enjoying it at Showbiz, great. Yeah, yeah. But he didn't treat the audience like this is a show for you. He's like, this is a show for them. Yeah. 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 And you're just helping me make it sound with, right. With them being the camera? The camera, the yeah. home audience. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. What's your sort of, uh, I guess, signs for a good show? Star signs. You need Den- to be Virgo. Denver, Colorado, there's a bunch of Virgos in <laughs> the audience <laughs> laughing. Exactly. They're on time. It's a full moon. Is that the sign of a good show for you? I guess it's an indicator, but what are the personal indicators because sometimes we do a show, Josh feels great. I'm like, eh, whatever. Mm-hmm. What, w- so, so audience what wise, it? audience wise, I think it's when you can hear them. Because sometimes you have a crowd that there's a culture of a crowd. Mm. I've done, I think my record is like eight gigs in a night, right? And I do the same material at each gig, let's say. And how vastly different the reactions can be based on who's in that audience. Sometimes there's a Bucks night in and they're making lots of noise and they're a big group and they're kind of, they care more about each other Mm. than they do about the show. So that's kind of a bit distracting and the audience is a bit uncomfortable by it. So I'm doing the same material, but for some reason I'm just not hearing the audience engage with it. But then the next crowd are like switched on. It's like a bunch of couples Mm. and, you know, they're, they're maybe, you know, been together for a while slightly old audience so it's not like a nervous first date thing and you just by sheer statistics just have a really relaxed happy crowd mm. and they, they're laughing at everything the big jokes and then the little jokes along the way the little laughs and then maybe you just you know give a little wink or a gesture and then that gets a laugh as well so they're just so switched on to you yeah. that you're like oh man this is a show like they're they're really absorbing this and i can hear them 
I can hear every response from them. And then some crowds, it's just late and they're tired and you do the show and they come out and go, oh, man, you were so funny. It's like I, I didn't hear you laugh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they can enjoy it. They can appreciate what you're doing. And, but they're liars. But they're <laughs> no, yeah, right. But their response is, is just low match. energy because yeah. it's, it's late and they're tired. So that's what I kind of like about stand-up is that mm. the variables are always changing. So it's kind of like to answer that earlier question is, you know, it's hard to have rituals when you don't know what the variables are going to be. Yeah. But what can you rest on if you were to go, I'm going to take a gauge mm. for every show for a person on a personal note. Mm. So if you can only – I guess you are f- getting feedback. Yeah, the la- it's the laughter. It's really just, you know, that, that response of um, are they laughing at the big jokes mm. uh, and the – and the little jokes, like, and and are you getting a role? Yeah. So, I, okay, if I can give you one gauge, it's like, are you building um, sort of credibility? Can you get a role of laughter? Because if you tell a joke, they laugh, ha, 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 and then it stops, and then you've got to start again and get yeah. them from zero to, you know, ten again. But if you get uh, that laugh and they're laughing and they sort of keep giggling and there's sort of a feeling and then you can get your next joke in. So you, you ne- that their noise never drops below like a five because mm-hmm. you just kind of get that laugh and you keep that ball spinning. It's almost like you're getting into flow. So you're taking the energy. Yes. And working it. Totally. Onto the next thing. It's, fuck, it must it yeah, rely on to them it. as well, yeah. right? Like it's a flow that's, it's like surfing, I guess, in some, not that I surf. Mm. But I guess there there is an element of okay, there's an outside source. Mm. How much choose your own adventure is there in regards to depending on the responses that you're getting? Mm. They're laughing at the digital content. I'm gonna deep dive into this social media thing. Mm. Are you are you responsive in that regard? Well, so some comics treat it like playing a game of say football or soccer or whatever Mm -hmm. in that you know the moves, you know how to kick the ball this way, you know how to move this way, you know how to feint and to do it, you know all the moves. And then you go out and based on the audience you adapt and you do those moves in whatever order is appropriate for the time. And then there's some comics who are more like gymnasts and like this is my routine. Mm. I've practised this exact routine. Are you guys on board? But you see some gymnasts like, hey, are you guys on board? You know, they get – get you know, uh, a connection with the audience. They get some energy from them. They build up an atmosphere. Yeah. And then they do the exact routine that they prepared to the letter. Oh, interesting. And so there are some comics who are a little more, all right, I'll adapt to you and I'll do my material based on what I get from you. Mm. And then the comics will probably, I'm more like that in that I'm a, more of a, you know, gymnast about it. Like I know the set I'm doing before I get up there, but my energy level where I direct it, uh, who I sort of focus on if I get, you know, if I chat with a crowd, I'm almost building ramps into my material yeah. as opposed to changing my material. Sure, makes sense. Uh, our mate Christian Hull, he's done very well on online, building mm-hmm. a Facebook following, creating <coughs> content. And uh, I was walking with him the other day and he was telling me how there are comics who would look down at what he's doing based on... Mm. You haven't sort of earned your stripes. Is he the comic B? Could you say uh, no? He's no. He's a he's a hybrid. He's some comics would say you're not a stand up. You're okay. doing a completely different show. This isn't. He's C. This isn't stand up. This isn't comedy. Right? Uh, have you? That's a B. No, that's that's the B comic. I yeah. think of. Mm. He, he seems to be focusing on the branding the and marketing yeah, yeah. and that that sort of thing. And his product isn't you know wasn't forged on the stand up yeah. scene. Do you find that with going from the magic stuff that you do, the singing, all the different elements, mm-hmm. do you find that you can sometimes be put into a different box outside of the comic stuff? Yeah, but I think I've taken a more empathetic approach to that because mm-hmm. in comedy, like you're, if you're in a scene, everyone's got their own insecurities and worries and, mm-hmm. and, and let's take your surfing analogy, right? You're, you're there ready to catch a wave. <laughs> right? about this. You're yeah. sitting there and you're ready to catch What's a wave. What's the tide like? Yeah, exactly. It's I don't know. On the <laughs> and you're waiting and you're like, great, all right, I really want to catch a wave. And that's like a, you know, mm-hmm. a, a big gig. Yeah. That's a TV spot. That's yeah. the gala. That's all these things. You're there going, all right, I'm ready for this. I've been, you know, practicing. I'm ready for a big wave. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there and you're waiting. And then some other person goes by and you see, you're like, 
well, why are they on a wave? Mm. I, I should be on a wave. I've been yeah. waiting longer. Yeah. You know, I'm a better surfer. Yeah. It's my local spot. This is my spot. Yeah. Who the hell is this person mm-hmm. on a wave? So you can have those emotions mm-hmm. of like, well, why is this person getting more audience members than me? Yeah. Why are they yeah. getting opportunities that I feel like I deserve? So anyone who comes into the scene is going to, if, if you have any form of success, if you're ever on a wave, there will be people who are not on a wave mm-hmm. criticising you f- for whatever, and mm. and I don't think the reasons are always legitimate. It could be like, well, they're not a real comic. What does that mean? Means nothing, really. Yeah. Um, oh well, they, you know, uh, they're only getting that because of A, B, C, or D. It's their they, surfboard. Yeah, whatever, whatever it is, or yeah. or, or or oh, they're rich and someone dropped them yeah. off in the perfect spot, or whatever, yeah. or they've got they get, someone towed them in on a fucking jet ski, yeah, and you always catch a wave, yeah, yeah, totally. So <laughs> that so man, I feel like we've really muddied this analogy, <laughs> but it is that it I is. I just want to go surfing, personally. but it, it is just everyone's going to have a, an emotional response to you and try and make excuses. And people do that with yeah. me all the time. Like mm-hmm. I had this big opportunity to film a special and uh, my agent said, we're going to do it in a 1,000 seat. We're going to do it at the MR in Sydney. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't sell in Sydney. I've got yeah. an audience in Melbourne. I've got an audience in Adelaide. I've been doing that for it's years. It's a charter flight. Right. <laughs> get, everyone, yeah, yeah. get everyone, get a, a bus, get the Greyhound <laughs> bus. Uh, uh, but I, I was worried about that. I'm like, how am I going to fill 1,000 mm-hmm. seats? But we did it because I had a, a mailing list. I, you know, put uh, videos on on Facebook and YouTube, to, like targeting that. Yep. The fact that it was for ABC gave it a bit of credibility. My agent brought, uh, you know, uh, audience from their mailing list and whatnot. And then I went to Sydney two weeks early and just did a bunch of gigs and fly people and say, please that's come cool. to my special. Oh, cool. So we filled a thousand seater. But then I heard from a comic who told another comic friend of mine, friend of mine why are they like, all such little bitches yeah i feel like comics are fucking no well, it, but it's any industry i think that's whatever i feel like comics are notoriously every time like if i say different comics names to other comics i'm always 50 percent. how's this gonna go like yeah, how me sure. and so that's what that's why i love about even what we're doing with the podcast is we can be this sort of like fucking um I trying to use a North Korea analogy, but who's, <laughs> sort of the, no, who's like the neutral source? You can't really Swiss. say the US. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Is it the Swiss? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. The French the Swiss. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's the French. So let's say Swiss. But we're just, we can have different people on and mm. we don't necessarily care too much about the drama. The clicks and the, the drama. Clicks. Yeah, totally. But so, yeah, so I heard from someone else that was uh, – they said, oh, well, Simon got a, you know, had a great special. And they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, but they, you know, that audience wasn't there yeah. to see him. I was like, well, who were they there to see? They, they yeah. got tickets. They you bought tickets. Cold play straight after. They, like, yeah, <laughs> most of them bought tickets and there was maybe like a couple of hundred yeah. comps, but yeah. most of them were like paid because, you know, we advertised and we pushed mm-hmm. it. And so that was like one of my most proudest nights mm-hmm. of my life. And there's already someone trying to detract from it. And the way that I process it is, well, no, that's their emotional state. Yeah. Because I think you could do it with anyone. Pick any successful person and you could find excuses for why they're successful Mm -hmm. or detract Mm -hmm. from them. And it's just a mental game we play. Anytime someone gets something I don't, um, I immediately get that emotional, like, knee-jerk, like, oh, God damn it, why? And then I just go, well, it's fine. They're living Mm -hmm. their own life. They have their own demons. They'll have their own shit. And it's kind of trying to be zen about you think it's good, right, but Mm. there will be negative parts of it as well. Yeah, it's it's counterproductive to sort of project that negative energy. Has there been a time – because I know personally I've done it. Oh, yeah, but it's just emotional regulation. I don't think you're anyone's – ever going to like never feel jealousy yeah. mm-hmm. jealousy is a good message it's like hey you want something you care yeah. about this so you can either process it as gossip but lashing out or calling someone shit or yeah. they don't deserve that you mm-hmm. can process that emotion that way or you could say oh man i need to learn from this oh i'm jealous so i need to you know focus on working to get to that mm-hmm. so that's how i look at it because you can get bitter and twisted as some comics do. It was like, this is bullshit. It's because I'm this and they're yeah. this and they got signed and that sucks. And no, nah, yeah. that's they're this shit anyway. Mm. Like I see plenty of them, those people. I'm like, if you took that energy of <laughs> anger and, and, and 
resentment or whatever and, and channeled it into, well, how do I market? Yeah. Why mm. don't I rebrand? How do I solve the problems that producers are looking for and mm. festivals are looking for? And that's, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm going through that this year. I'm like, oh, I need, a, I need to change my marketing a little bit this year because I think I was too broad this year. So I felt a bit annoyed at myself of like, ah, I didn't market right this year. But I could lash out at other people. I'm like, what are they getting? Yeah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Or I could, you know. But it's just it's personal uh, um, uh, emotional regulation and maturity. So when you hear about that clicky stuff, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I relate to those people. I yeah. go through those emotions. But what you do with it is what's the, what defines you. I think yeah. it's like the um, the saying that grass is always greener on the other side. For sure. The funny thing about it is all these sayings are making us feel better based on the idea that what we're seeing isn't as good as mm. what it is. Sort of like, it, sure. like it's the uh, – basically it's fucked for them but we're just seeing the, the highlights, which is almost uh, – which is still mm. for me feels like there needs to be a bit of work, which is for me in the being happy for people, being great and mm. doing great things versus I'm happy in the idea that even though it looks great, they've probably still got a lot of anxiety and things are probably a bit fucked up for them. Yeah, I, well, I just think it's that's really just having perspective, though, mm. on their life and your life yeah. in that you think you want what they have, but what you're actually ignoring is the positive bits of what you have. Mm. So I think like a good um, fable I heard, it's like an old Chinese proverb was Chinese farmer, um, one of his horses escaped and his neighbours said, oh, this sucks, that's bad news. And he goes, well, maybe. And then a couple of days later, the horse returned with a wild horse with it. And the neighbor's like, oh, that's awesome, dude. You got a yeah. free horse. That's <laughs> yeah. incredible. He's like, maybe. And then his son was trying to this rear guy's the new very horse. Standoffish. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah totally. Just like, why the fuck is he it's just. Super weird. He only knows one word. Yeah. But he, uh, <laughs> his son was trying to rear the wild horse, fell off, broke his leg. And the neighbor's like, oh, that sucks, dude. You broke his leg. And he's like, well, maybe. And a couple of days later, the army was coming through the, the villages and the, the farms and they were recruiting young men to go to war. And his son didn't qualify because of the broken leg. And they're like, well, this is great news. And he's like, maybe. And it's like a good yeah. just point of view in life of, of oh, this person's, you know, that uh, this other comedian's famous. Yeah. Oh, that sucks for me. Does it? Mm. This is... Maybe, maybe it's actually good that you didn't get that opportunity because maybe you weren't ready for it. Maybe it's not the best time in your life to get that exposure. Maybe you don't have the headspace to handle fame and criticism right Mm, now. So for me, with like my pilot projects. I love that fable. I'm just thinking of the horse. Like the picture is very, very good. Yeah, it's kind of cool, right? Uh, I'm thinking about this all the time. It's like, oh, I didn't get this, you know, TV show spot I wanted. Mm. But maybe it's good that I didn't because... I might have a better set next year. Why is TV still a thing, do you think? It's, it has a credibility that I think independent uh, content doesn't. Mm-hmm. So, What is TV? Is it Netflix? Is it these streaming platforms? Is, as a comedian, what are you classing it as these days? Well, I think it's anything with gatekeepers, right? Mm-hmm. So you guys can just make this and put it online without any real gatekeeper but mm-hmm. i think people acknowledge that if you're on tv there was a like a higher power that selected you sure so being Isn't that so fucked up though do you want to be part of that system um well you want the autonomy to mm-hmm. be able to do the projects you want and and have some control over your life so mm-hmm. uh you know you're, you're actually making your own decisions for your career and, and so on and so forth so sometimes that's a network will give you resources and profile, and but sometimes it comes with downsides, restrictions and yeah. sponsorship and so on and so forth. So it is a, a, a it goes back to that analogy, like, hey, you got a big network show, that's amazing. Yeah, just in some maybe. ways, yeah, maybe <laughs> in some ways it is, but maybe if you did, like, uh, Mark Maron is a good example. Mm. Mark Maron was never really chosen to be the chosen, or Bill Burr was never yeah. really chosen to be that cool guy on TV. Didn't get the network spots or the uh, the sitcoms and things like that. So he did his own podcasting, and now he's huge. And Maron yeah. are both huge, and they they've got way more autonomy and way more control over their careers, and they they have. Uh, lots of money and lots of fans and things like that, and they have all those things. So in some ways, not getting all that 
mainstream stuff and the TV stuff uh, sent them on this pathway where they they have all these other amazing things. Is it a forced pathway or are you, you know, because I think more people are choosing that pathway, that independent creator, that right. no gatekeeper, I'm going this way, which is essentially what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Right, but it's... Yeah, it's, but it's just a... Uh, it's yeah. a path. It's a path. It's yeah. just a choice you make. It's based on goals too. Like if you're you're using the idea of how do I sell more tickets to a show, how do I do this, how do mm-hmm. I do that, and it's like the gatekeepers do play a massive part in that, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's other people like the Christian Hulls or whatever that's doing something completely different. Do you think that you'll reach a point where if the gatekeepers don't allow you in, mm-hmm. that it will force you down a path of independence? Yeah, I, I don't think I'm ever going to stop creating. I think mm-hmm. there's sort of, I don't know, it's kind of like for me, I, I always think this is kind of a calling. Like I don't really uh, imagine myself being able to do anything else mm-hmm. than be a creative, whether it's uh, through books or uh, TV show projects or stand-up or whatever. I like creating and sharing that's just part of my personality that's where i feel most fulfilled so the vehicle for that if it's a network like i'll mm-hmm. knock on that door yeah oh no one's there okay no worries well then i'll create a, a youtube project um that didn't go that well all right fine when i'll write a book oh that worked really well oh great so now i can get uh, a tour out of that yeah. oh great now i can maybe turn that into a tv show so it's kind of like the path of least resistance really yeah. so i don't think there's any harm in knocking on a bunch of doors or doing all those things but where you put your energy i think it's it's you know the the process has to be enjoyable i think you guys enjoy doing this mm. um but what you could be doing is every day spending time you know creating a tv pilot and then shopping around to networks and hoping that gets up would you then- do that if you were producing the show this what show? Would you, if you're producing the daily talk show, mm-hmm. what would be the first, you know, you had the first hundred days to, to make big changes mm. other than getting us completely off the show and you hosting it yourself. <laughs> what would be, what would be some strategic things that, you know, based on the little info you, you know about what we do, what would you be doing? Um, I would say uh, just more like, Instagram models, uh, <laughs> yeah. heaps of Insta influencers. Uh, no, I, I don't know. I don't know the answers to that. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to think about that mm. because I'd go to like, all right, what's your, what's your overall goal? Like, mm. what's your overall goal? Like, who's your audience? What's the long term goal for, for you? So, if it were, well, we want to be personalities, then I think, like, like radio personalities, you're in trouble. Then the, yeah, but then the, then the focus is on you guys as individuals and and selling you as personalities. Yeah. But if it's the the, the product uh, of the you know the daily talk show and the, that then you you brand that I guess. So I I don't know I, I don't have an answer for that. I think yeah. it's pretty uh, complex. But I think be, having control of it and doing it independently is actually a really good you know. A really good thing. It feels like Tommy and my personality mm. plays into what we're doing. Do you find that your personality sure. actually plays into traditional television and that you have certain traits that work well with that versus yeah. doing a video show online? I can't stop thinking you're just going to answer every question with maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Depends on the horse. Yeah, I think, I think the maybe analogy is just – calming your mind down about yeah. worrying about yeah. all those yeah. things. To be slightly passive aggressive. Like, like if I do that to Brie tonight, every Maybe. single like, <laughs> do you want to go try, to the... Can you try and tell us tomorrow how it goes? <laughs> Everything. Not well. <laughs> well, just like, oh, do you want to go Sunday for breakfast? Maybe. Oh, it would fucking, it would <laughs> erupt. No, it's about your emotional response. It's not about practical decisions. Wait, it's so like, do you want to build a successful farm? I'm sure he'd say yes, but it's just like, you know, it's about co- like emotionally coping with, with consequences yeah, and, yeah. And, and things yeah. beyond your control. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what it is. So are you a traditional personality? I, I, I think so. I think it's just I've, I grew up watching the TV show, the talk show presenters, mm-hmm. and I've – I, mean, I think that derives from my sort of personality as well. I think from being on the internet a lot, I've done lots of, I've done podcasts, I've done web series, uh, I've done street talk, I've hosted, you know, uh, community TV shows. Mm-hmm. And I just think for me it's the path of least resistance of, oh, I su- I'm quite accessible. Like mm-hmm. I know that, 
you know, I can have three generations of people watching me and all find my jokes funny because they're yeah. sort of accessible enough. Where I know some other comics who don't fit that mold, they're way more niche and they're like, they almost suit like this particular niche demographic, mm. they're crass or they're edgy or whatever, and they're better off online because they can find the exact demographic mm-hmm. that suits them using the algorithm and using that marketing. But on TV, you've got to be somewhat broad. So I think I just suit TV and that's why I, I, I pursue it. A lot of people fall into the, I guess, trap of thinking they need a niche mm-hmm. because it's, it's an understandable path to take. Mm-hmm. Niche equals audience specific, you know, talking to them. Mm-hmm. Have you felt that pressure of niching? I think it. I think it's a good place to start. Yeah. Because yeah. I think you can just be overwhelmed when it comes to marketing or selling yourself. Mm. And in every in every press questionnaire you get before a festival, they go, "Who's your tar- target demographic?" Yeah. Please don't say everyone, yeah. because it, it. Yeah, mum. It just yeah <laughs> so, right, but it's just impossible practically to go. Or every every yeah. single human just here's a flyer yeah. to my show. Yeah. It's like, well, why would they come? So I think it's a it's an okay starting point to go. Well, if I target these people, mm. the uptake is going to be higher mm. because it's a product that they would want or an image that they connect with, and then from there it can broaden out. So I think it just it it happens in successful businesses. Amazon always wanted to be a broad retail website where they could sell anything. But they started with books because they can go, great, we will target readers and people who buy books and and then when we get successful, then we can start to add those things mm. later. So Anish is just, a, I think, just a practical step. Mm. Yeah. What's what's the plans over the, the coming months? Where are you going to be? What are you going to be doing? Uh, comedy festival for the next couple of weeks, Sydney Comedy Festival mm-hmm. after that for a week. Whose is better? Um I mean, Melbourne's like a, on the world stage, isn't it? It's a yeah, part of it's international. Is Sydney, so is Sydney International Comedy Festival? Is it? Yeah, there'll be some international acts, but I don't think it's called. Do they? That. Okay, so yeah, it's yeah. called the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so just wondering. Melbourne's, you Melbourne's, me. Melbourne's bigger, and I get to see more of my friends, yeah. and it goes longer, so you mm. can make more money and. Um, so in that sense, it's it's a bigger festival. But your psychologist is in Sydney. Yeah, so that's helpful. So I actually cope with it better. Yeah, um, <laughs> that all makes sense. Yeah, and after that, I am, I've got to finish my novel, which mm-hmm. is uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it at the moment, but <laughs> most of it is painful. I'm enjoying yeah. it because I'm reading over bits I like and going, yeah, this is going to be good. This is going to be all right. Uh, but when you actually have to write, it's super painful. So I'll do that, and then I'm off to the UK. I've got gigs uh, all around. Uh, England and Scotland. Edinburgh, uh, Edinburgh Fringe. Yeah. I will, uh, yeah, I'll probably duck in and do some spots, but mm. I'm not doing a full season. Mm. Yeah, is it? Are you the? Um, I guess it's like the, the, a lot of artists. It's a painful journey, mm-hmm. but it's within that pain that they find that mm-hmm. enjoyment. Is that you? Yeah, this is inc- it's been incredibly painful for me. <laughs> yeah, totally. This show? Yeah, exactly. We're just, yeah, this, yeah, this <laughs> the last hour the of stools, my career. The stools specifically. Um, yeah, it is. It's hard. It's, I, don't, I, don't, I, I feel uncomfortable most of the time. Like, oh, I'm not settled. I'm unsettled because I'm travelling around too much or finding it hard to maintain, you know, long, long-term relationships, which mm. I really, you know, I really want a companion. That's something I prioritise um, and I try to you know, uh, nurture, but it's, it's difficult. And then money is like fluctuates so much, Mm. but I, I know things will, will get more comfortable financially. And I know things will get more comfortable if I get a radio gig or a TV gig or things like that. I will have some financial stability and things like that, but maybe creatively I'll be uncomfortable then. So I, yeah, I find being a stand up in general really, tough and <laughs> uncomfortable mm. but there's enough to look forward to and be satisfied from and that that keeps me going mm. yeah maybe thanks for coming <laughs> on the maybe. show mate it'd be great to have you back on if you're keen at yeah at some point. in another what, 300 episodes yeah. well no, I think no we're getting our new space and it will be a different vibe different set out okay layout so you you'll right. have to come in to um chris and the new joint what does that mean? No, but just, I don't know. Hopefully he doesn't break fuck a wine, the toilet. Like break a champagne bottle on the wall or something. I don't know. Okay. We'll just I'll do some. Blow and blow smashing things. 
Yeah, maybe. And we can pretend it's a boat and we'll hang a string with a bottle of champagne and you let it go and it comes and smashes. And we could actually wall. have Ash Williams' feet there for the <laughs> champagne. That's a callback call yesterday. Call back to yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> it's a daily talk show. Hi at thedailytalkshow.com is the email. Uh, you're on for the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the comedy festival. Is the best thing just to do it like book online? Book online on the mm-hmm. Melbourne Comedy Festival website. How can we find your ABC special that you did? Oh, well, Channel 10 bought it, so they will play it intermittently. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. So watch TV. There you yeah. go. That's a value. 10 yeah. play? Are they going to put it on 10 play? Uh, yeah, just after they air it. So I think you have like okay. 48 hours to watch it. When are they airing it? I don't know the next one. They mm-hmm. aired it a few months ago. So I don't know. They don't tell me. <laughs> they, bought the the right, they bought the rights to it for two years, so they'll schedule it and play it. Is it part of a bigger – like do they do a big buy of stuff? Do they say, hey, we've – because you're part of what's your management A-list. called? A list. Yeah. So they buy like six specials from A list. Yeah, I think they bought a bunch of mm. like the big names like Arj and Kitty and yeah. Carl Barron. Um, but then I think mine was, yeah, I think mine was a special case because they're like they didn't bother watching it when it was offered to them. They're like, oh no, he doesn't have profile. And then I told my agent, I'm like, just tell them they could have it for free. And they're like, oh, for free. All right, we'll watch it. And then they watch it and they're like, oh, we want this for two years. And he's like, well, no, you have to pay for yeah, it. Yeah, perfect. So we kind of hustled a little bit That's to get great. that through. So that was – so once they watched it, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, all right, we'll get That's it. That's great. Awesome. Thanks, Simon Taylor. It's a daily talk show. We'll see you tomorrow, guys. See you guys. Yay.